0: What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Shooter's Touch. Really excited about today's episode. We had the opportunity to sit down with Duess Henderson and, and, and really just chop up hoops with him for quite a while. Uh, we had a, we talked high school, we talked AU, we talked about his time at Iowa, coaching change, Big Ten championship, um, and then also had an opportunity to kind of dive into what it is that he's doing now with the, with the coaching and player development. We hope you loved the episode. If you do, obviously hit us up, let us know, give us the feedback. Um, without further ado, let's get into it. all right welcome back to the podcast we are excited to get things going here another episode another opportunity to talk hoops um really excited today adam uh because we get an opportunity uh to talk with a to with a hawkeye legend today and uh you know, uh, a, a current coach and, and really, like I said, just talk hoops. And so we're, we're glad everyone's on. And uh, how's, how are things going with you today, Adam?
1: Good, man. We Yeah, as you mentioned, we are super excited. We have on the line here, um, as you mentioned, a former Hawkeye, former professional basketball player, current Washington U assistant coach, current St. Louis Surge head coach, and the current owner of Henderson basketball training. We have Duez Henderson on the line. And Duez, we really appreciate all your time today
2: definitely I appreciate you guys having me on
0: well let's uh let's 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 start way back I know we kind of talked a little bit <laughs> off air here before we came on that uh, it seems like the years are clicking by faster and faster every year but um, tell us a little bit about you know kind of how you got started in basketball your high school playing days um, what kind of the AU circuit and kind of how things were a little bit different and ultimately how how you ended up uh, at the University of Iowa
2: yeah. Great question. Um, so yeah, originally from Detroit, Michigan, uh, went to River Rouge high school, uh, who actually just won their first state championship in football, uh, this past Saturday. So shout out to those guys. Awesome. Um, but yeah, um, really storied high school program, uh, had a chance to play for Lamonte stone who went on to be an assistant at Bowling Green, Eastern Michigan and Ohio state. Um, a lot of people are kind of shocked when they, they hear this, but I was probably the, the third or fourth most talented player on my high school team. Wow. We were, we were loaded. Um, you know, I have multiple guys who ended up going to play, um, at all different levels, but, uh, really storied program and, uh, just really had a chance to, to compete every day in practice and, and really grow as a player there. Um, you know, had a chance to win a state championship. I ran up against uh, Shane Battier twice in the quarterfinals uh, wow. before uh, finally his my senior year when he was gone on to Duke. We were finally able to knock off Detroit Country Day. So, um, you know, just had a chance to, to play against and with some great players growing up. Um, a lot of people don't realize uh, Antonio Gates, the, the all pro future Hall of Fame tight end from the, the Chargers is actually Mister. Michigan uh, my senior year so uh, just really talented group Um, and then as far as the AAU scene when I was uh, growing up it was definitely not as large um, as it is now it was definitely more concentrated Um, I played on Team Michigan which was probably um, one of three four maybe programs in the entire state of Michigan at the time Um, you know that's when I um, you know really you know, kind of realized that, that, hey, this, this thing can take me somewhere. You know, when I got to travel nationally and, you know, hold my own and compete against some of the top players in the country at that time, um, again, you know, it was, it was a lot more uh, concentrated um, at that point. So when you went and traveled, I mean, you were playing against the top 10, top 12 players, uh, you know, from respective states. So, uh, again, just a great experience there. Um, and that's, you know, when the recruiting started to pick up, um, you know, I had grew up a, a huge, uh, university of Michigan fan, um, huge, huge Michigan fan. Uh, I'm sure that may not be well-received mm-hmm. in some way <laughs> <No. out> there, <laughs> <laughs> but, know. uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was interesting though. Um, no. but once Michigan offered and, uh, started recruiting me, I, you know, it was it was almost a done deal. Um, and it was really interesting uh, about a week before or about a month before um, I was going to commit. I was planning to commit uh, once school started my uh, senior year. So that would have been the fall of 97. Um, Rich Walker, who was an assistant at Iowa, oh, yeah. uh, who knew a family, family friend, um, you know, he reached out and, um, you know, I kind of at this point, again, I had. I hadn't committed yet, but I was I was basically done with the recruiting process. But he actually, um, you know, we started talking and, and formed a relationship pretty quickly, and he convinced me and my family to come out and, and visit Iowa on an official visit. Um, and we came out um, and loved it. But again, I was you know I was still pretty pretty sure I was going to Michigan, and um, I want to say it was three or four days after. I got back from my unofficial at Iowa. That's when um, Steve Fisher at Michigan got fired and I knew there was gonna be an a uh, new coaching staff co- uh, coming in. Um, I didn't wanna kind of go through that process again. And, you know, again, as as much as I had my mind up, mind made up on Michigan, um, Iowa made it really hard. Um, so I think it was about three days after that um, where I called uh, Coach Davis and Coach Walker uh, back at the time and said I was going to be a Hawkeye. And, um, again, looking back on it, I could not be um, any more, um, you know, satisfied and happy with, with that choice. I'm sure, you know, wherever I went, you know, I, I tried to make the best of things and, and make it work out. Um, but looking back on it, uh, you know, in hindsight, um, the relationships I was able to develop, the basketball experience and just the overall uh, growth of me as a person um, at the University of Iowa was was second to none. And, um, I'm glad it worked out the way that it did.
1: Wow, that is that is an incredible story. So you were you were all set to go to Michigan, and then then obviously you said that I mean Steve Fisher got fired. What um, you said you were going to commit to Michigan in a couple weeks or a month, whatever that was. Why 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 were you waiting that long just just to see if anybody else came?
2: No. I think I just wanted to wait until um, you know my senior year started. Uh, gotcha. School-wise. I don't I don't know exactly why. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, um, you know there was. I don't think um, there was going to be any school that you know I, I was waiting on or yep. was kind of holding out for at that point. It was just uh, maybe I think that was probably the timeline
1: that I had put on it, and I I wanted yep. to stick to it. So. Gotcha. That's interesting. Well, if, uh, if we go back to the AAU scene here too, and you know, I was, I was just a few years after you in the AAU scene and, you Mm -hmm. know, we've talked about on this podcast before, but, um, my AAU team was made up of the guys that didn't make the only AAU team here, here Mm -hmm. in Iowa at that time. Mm -hmm. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, our dads just got together and said, Hey, let's just, let's just do this. And we, we probably traveled probably to, three or four, three or four I guess, tournaments here in the Midwest outside of nationals. And now, I mean, I mean, you know, this as well as anybody, but you know, they're traveling every week in the summertime. What are your, what, what are your, I guess, kind of thoughts on that, on that scene right now? How big it is? Uh, how many yeah. games they play, et cetera. Yeah.
2: Great question. So I've, um, I've been involved in, you know, AAU um, either coaching or directing a program for um, close to ten or twelve years here, and it's um, it can be a great asset, and it could also be a great hindrance. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, to basketball, depending on on how it's done and what it's done for. Um, again, um, you know, going back to when, when I was growing up, I remember um, obviously we. I, I can tell you right now the the three places that we went for nationals at my 15 16 and 17 year i remember the hotel like that was like the biggest like thing ever but what i really remember like the most about that experience is you know this was back in the day when you had to finish in the top three in your state to even go to nationals yes So i just remember how like important those games were and it was like you were actually playing for something right yep. and then you know somewhere along the line you know someone was sitting in a room and they said hey if we open this up to everyone and everyone writes a 600 hundred dollar check or 700 hundred dollar check to come to nationals there's some there's, there's some major money out there to be made right and you know i think once you know that happened obviously you know there was probably a little bit more behind it but when you look at it Right. Like all of these tournaments that are out there now, it's like when, when a team says they're going to nationals or they want nationals and it's like, which one? Because there's a hundred different national tournaments. Right. You know? um, So, I mean, I I say that, but I do think it is a great vehicle, um, you know, for, you know, those those mid-level players that um, are not at the the top of their class or are not going to get the exposure anyway. I mean, you look at your probably top 50, top 60, um, kids in the country. I mean, they're going to get recruited anyway. Like people know who those people are. Um, and it's not, um, it's not as important as it is for, you know those players that may be flying under the radar, like you. You mentioned uh, in your situation; those kids that, hey, they, they may not play on that premier team um, in the state, but they're 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 a level under that, and they're going to eventually be great college players, good to great college players. Like it's a great avenue um, for those players as well. So right, um,
1: yeah, and you mentioned it too that you know when when it was at that time, you know, you went to these you went to these tournaments, and you had, I mean there were a lot more top level talent at these, at, at these, whether it be nationals or, you know, tournaments that you went to because of the sheer, you know, numbers that, that there weren't. I mean, I remember playing at one, <clears throat> it, it might've been nationals, but I mean, we played Chris Paul, we played <laughs> uh, Drew Lavender who went to Xavier, then transferred to Oklahoma. We played, uh, which what, what was supposedly um, uh, a, a team from Ohio who, who usually had, had his LeBron James playing on it. And it was, it was, it was crazy. Just the amount of NBA talent that was at that, that one, just, you know, that one tournament, you probably don't see that anymore nowadays.
2: Yeah, you don't. I mean, I I was in the same boat. I remember playing the Illinois Warriors at the time and they had Corey McGaddy, who obviously went on to Duke and Hmm. a long NBA career, Uh, Cordell Henry, who played at Marquette, Uh, Bobby Simmons who played at DePaul and ultimately NBA Quinn Richardson, (laughs) <laughs> uh, yes. Yeah. You know, yeah. So it's just, it was, and you know, that's just uh, Michael Wright, who ended up going to Arizona. I think he was a younger yeah. guy on that team, and that's that's on one team. Yeah. You know? Well, so, even
0: with even with your guys' team, with Team Michigan, uh, obviously that, like you said, that's a story storied, storied uh, team as well. I mean, who, what, what were some of the guys that you're playing with? Anybody that we might know?
2: Yeah. So uh, Dane Fife, who's a current assistant at Michigan State. Um, and I actually, I may have misspoke. He may have been Mr. Basketball and Antonio may have been runner up, but those two are one and two. So, um, but yeah, it was him. Um, Johnny Selby who went on to play at Connecticut, uh, Corey Hightower, who played at Indian Hills and went and played for the Lakers after that. Um, my best friend, uh, growing up and still really, really good friend now, uh, Aaron Jessup, who played at Wisconsin Green Bay. Um. Wow yeah yeah, so it was yeah we we were loved it <laughs> you,
0: you you know you talked a little bit with au obviously it's kind of a little bit of a blessing and a curse mm-hmm. um, You know, especially in today's game and the way that things work, uh you know we're they're so heavy on on games and pushing pushing games and getting in all these tournaments and getting an opportunity to get exposure. I think one of the things that sometimes gets lost in that journey is the is the skill development Mm -hmm. and, you know, learning and understanding the game. And obviously with your player development experience and what are your thoughts as far as the, you know, the workload from games to practice to skill development uh, to to the teamwork issue and side of things?
2: Yeah. um, My perspective is um, that it's it's out of balance, Um, the number of games compared to the number of practices. Um, and, you know, I always use this comparison, uh, whether it's fair or not, um, you know, I'm to the age now where I have a lot of, uh, friends and they have, um, (laughs) you know, a lot of them have, uh, daughters in dance, right. And, you know, they, they talk about how they practice, you know, five or six months for this one 15 minute performance. Now, obviously do we need seven months of practice for one basketball game no um but you know it's now it's to the point where um you know au teams are drawing from such a a, um, large geographic area it's impossible to get people together for practice um you know because of distance and time and now you know you're going to play four or five games every weekend which is great but when are they getting better you know, when when do you have time for that skill development when you have time, uh, you know, for those team practices? So um, obviously the, the the dance and, you know, like the piano recital um, examples are probably a little bit far fetched. But, you know, I, I would love to to see the the norm be moved to more practices, uh, you know, than games, um, how that happens. I don't know. I don't have the solution, but, um, you know, there's just so many tournaments out there that you can literally play every weekend during the spring and summer um, if you want it to. And that's, that's what, that's what sales, right. That's what, that's what the kids want. That's what the parents want. Um, And that's what, you know, that's what makes people excited. Right. But I mean, we've, we've all been around the game long enough to know that if you aren't putting in into work and you're just constantly, constantly playing, then uh, so- something's wrong with that
0: equation. Yeah, no, it's good. And I, you know, I know it's something even we've talked before um, is in comparison with the European style too, and how, you know, they, those guys have kind of shifted using your dance uh, recital um, um, analogy and that, you know, trying to focus more on, the practices in the, in the skill development in order to, you know, almost emphasize and highlight, Hey, here's now's your opportunity to all that hard work that you put in and let's go out and show them what we got.
2: Yeah. I, hey, I bet you guys, when we hopped on today, you did not think dance recital would be said four <laughs> or five times.
0: I know. Well, I, I know <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> no. <man. laughs> It's a good, good person on you. Yeah, and speaking of that, you have two daughters of your own. Is that correct?
2: Uh, I have a three-year-old daughter and I have a son. Uh, Harper, Harper's my three-year-old daughter. And then I have a soon-to-be uh, next next uh, Wednesday, uh, Ezekiel will turn two. That's our, that's our little boy.
1: Awesome. Okay. So dancer styles are coming up for you then too, huh? You know, um there's Maybe. gonna
2: be, you know, based on that nighttime activities in our basement, there's gonna be dance recitals, there's gonna be basketball <laughs> <gospel laughs> games, there's gonna be football games, uh, cupcake making, there's gonna be a, a lot of activities in the you'll,
1: house. You'll have it all. <laughs> That's awesome. But uh well, hey, let's uh let's transition over here to the Hawkeyes. Um mm-hmm. obviously the that awesome story you told here earlier, how you how you got there. Um and even you know, with your with your freshman year uh, there and making you know the Sweet Sixteen the first year, that had to be an awesome experience. Um, I know when I was at you and I, we went to the NCAA tournament a couple times, and um, just just to get there and you know be a part of that is a is an incredible experience. But um, I guess walk us through maybe the first couple of years, last couple of years of of you know while you were in Iowa City.
2: Yeah, um, so. You know, back to my uh, recruiting story, um, as I said earlier, I, you know, I could committed to Iowa uh, shortly after the beginning of my senior year um, of high school, which would have been, uh, you know, mid to late September. And I will believe it was maybe a month later, that's when they announced that Coach Davis wasn't going to be back. Um, so that year was really unique. Um, And, you know, playing for a coach and a staff that, you know, had, I had, you know, gotten to know fairly quickly uh, Mm -hmm. throughout the the short kind of courting process that we have. But then knowing that it was going to be that for a year and then it was going to be an entire new staff that I had no idea of who it was going to be. So that was, um, you know, really interesting. But, um, you know, we were really experienced that year. Um, a lot of seniors. Uh Jess Settles, who <laughs> this is this is very interesting. So Jess Settles, who I ended up playing with my freshman year at Iowa. His freshman year at Iowa, I was in eighth grade. <laughs> so, so yeah, you know, he he had you know, he ended up playing six years. The big team yeah. had three three six year seniors that year. Evan Eschmeyer from Northwestern, Pete Lysicki from Michigan State, and Jess Settles. So um That's interesting. Was, uh, yeah, it was really interesting. Uh <laughs> So, um, and, you know, you would never know, um, that coach Davis was basically coaching in his last year without a contract, um, because nothing was ever said about it. Um, he approached every game, you know, just as, you know, just from, from what I would think, like he had his entire career, um. And it was just awesome uh, to be able to to first experience playing for him, be able to learn and practice against and compete with those great group of seniors that we had that year. And then ultimately to make that run in the tournament. Um, I'll never forget, um, you know, we go into the tournament as, um, you know, the 10th seed, I believe we beat UAB in the first round and then we play a Arkansas team that has Corliss Williamson, Kareem Reed uh, team that we on paper again, you know, had no chance against and, you know, we beat, we knocked them off and um, I remember being in the locker room after the game and, you know, it's just, it's awesome because coach Davis knows, you know, whenever we lose, this is is his last game. So, um, you know, the kind of almost a late back, but also Um, like excitement that he had in the locker room after we beat um, Arkansas and knowing that we were going to the Sweet 16. I will never forget this line, and uh, I'd say this with all respect, but when Coach Davis would get excited, he had this very, very high-pitched voice. (laughs) And I remember – Closing out the huddle in the locker room and saying, hey, guys, we're going to go back to Iowa City. We're going to recharge our batteries. We're going to get our sunglasses, and we're going to go to Arizona. <laughs> <laughs> that is great. <laughs> recharge our batteries and, and, yep. and get our sunglasses. And, oh, wow. Uh, you know, so, yeah, I mean, that was that was just great. And, um, you know, obviously we ran up against a, a very talented UConn team that um, ultimately – um, you know, played in a championship game that year. Um so yeah, that that was very interesting early on and then um you know
0: sorry go ahead let me ask you real yeah. quick. So that that team was would have been like Kent McCausland, Dean Oliver, obviously Jeff, those guys were the seniors as a freshman coming in and like obviously Tom Davis and the experience that he had. Yeah, how, how much did you really take from that? Obviously, as you move on in your career and, you know, eventually overseas, how much did you really learn from, you know, from that, that group of seniors and obviously Coach Davis?
2: Yeah. Um, you know, one of the biggest things was, um, you know, just the the way that we competed against each other every day in practice. Um, and, you know, I know different coaches do it in different ways and, um you know, basically it was up to you to make sure that you got your reps in in practice, right? So, I mean, I remember multiple days, like, uh, you know, if I was on the the same team with Jr. Koch or Jess, and, you know, I would try to sub in for him, and they'd be like, no. It's like, well, what do you mean, no? And, then, you know, it kind of took me a while. Like, well, dude, if I don't get in, I'm not getting reps. If I'm not getting reps, then that's not good for me. So, you know, eventually just learning to – you know, be ready to compete and fight for everything that you wanted to do. Now, I say that, um, that was usually during the offensive section of practice. If it was the defensive section, they let me have all the rest. Oh, <laughs> <y'all>, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. You know, but yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that was just, it, it was really, um, you know, great. And a lot of people uh, don't realize my our first semester, uh, Sam Oakey, the transfer from Wisconsin was on that team as well. Yep. But he ended up breaking his um he was he was ineligible the first half because of the first semester because of transfers. And then I think he may have played two or three games before he broke his wrist. Um, you know, early Big Ten season that year. So it was just, I mean, we were we were loaded uh with experience with size and um you know, I, I owe a
0: lot to those guys
2: for, for just showing me how to compete, um, on a daily basis.
0: Let me, let me ask you this. Well, how do you think, so in, in today's game in the way that, uh, it's kind of the, the transfer era, if, if you don't play, um, you know, obviously very different. You talked about this, such experience in which that you get, you know, being, um, in practice and getting those reps and, yeah. you know, going against ex- talented and experienced guys, how do you think that might hinder some of, you know, today's teams where maybe they don't have that depth? Yeah. Um, I, I definitely think it's a,
2: um, You know, I I definitely think that at some point, right, like transferring is, it's a good thing, right? Like you want to be in a good situation. And I think what happens is people think young people tend to mix up good for easy, right? Right. Um, You could be in a good situation, but it could be challenging. It could be hard as hell, you know, every day. Um, because you may not be playing, you may not be getting the results that you wanted. Um, And, you know, even looking back to my freshman year, I played uh, sporadically. Um, I wasn't a a major contributor, but one of the the things that I, I mean, to this day, I credit to my development I mean, growing as a player as my career went on was my ability to play on the scout team, right? Um, I remember like, like it was yesterday, I was so excited the two times we played Michigan State a year because I was Morris Peterson for us, right, against <laughs> against our other guys, right? And I got to shoot as much as I want to. And Shots were to going up. Jump. Yeah, we got to throw lobs, and it was, you know, like I remember Coach Walker stopping in in practice you know, it was like a, a fast break, bounce pass layup, and he's like, what the hell is that? The kid cleaves is going to throw that up and Morris Peterson is going to catch the live <laughs> and it's going to go crazy. Throw that blank up. <laughs> it's like, You know, and, um, you know, kids don't understand that. Right. Like I got better. Mm-hmm. Right? I got those reps, you know, because I could, I could do it and it was free flowing and I didn't have to worry about messing up and then I didn't have to worry about fitting into, you know, this box. And, um, but, you know, a lot of times now, early on, you know, a freshman, early freshman year, even early sophomore year, a kid is that is in that situation. And it's, hey, this isn't what I came here for. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I mean, I'll be com- completely transparent. There were there, there were transfer thoughts, especially, you know, after not playing a ton and then not knowing who I was going to play for uh, my second year. Uh, But again, it's one of those things that I I stuck out, um, not for any particular reason. I don't have this, you know, great, great story of, you know, this person said this or I had this vision of this. I just stuck it out because I wanted to because I thought it was the right thing to do and it paid off for me um, in, in many different ways
1: that's awesome yeah I, I think uh, I can attest to this I don't know about you Brian but I spent a lot of team on or a lot of time on the Scout team too and there were a couple guys that I was that was very excited to imitate <laughs> yeah. when uh, when those games came around for sure yeah. um, and then obviously obviously you know your junior year big Ten champs mm-hmm. um, and you know made uh, I made some noise in state tournament I think uh, you want to want a game or two there as well um, and I mean honestly you really had a man just a really good team that year. Um, and I, and I'm assuming that at, at that time, that was when, you know, you just mentioned it, that you were, you were contributing a little more to that. Uh, um, at the team and the overall there.
2: Yeah. Um, and, you know, that year, um, as much as I had, you know, kind of improved in my game had, had grown. It was, um, you know, I'm, I'm very thankful for the experience, um, but it was also a, a situation where I didn't get to do as much as maybe I would have in the previous two years, just because of our roster. Um, you know, I, I mean, I was, I was pretty good, but at the same time I played, you know, on that team, we had three guys who ultimately spent some time in the NBA, you know, and Dean Oliver uh, a couple years and then had a great year, uh, some great years overseas, same thing with Luke Rector. And then obviously Reggie Evans um, who uh, you know, had a 16 year um, NBA career. And right. Like, that's why we were so good. Right. (laughs) I mean, we had, Mm -hmm. we had really good guys and, um, you know, me being able to be a a small part in a really big, um, you know, basically a a small cog in a big wheel. um, You know, again, it was just a, a great life lesson, right? Like that doesn't mean I'm not good enough. That doesn't mean I'm not good. Like I am contributing to something to a really good team. And, Again, you know, being okay with that. Um, you know, not saying, Okay, hey, I'm just gonna, you know, sit on my hands and be satisfied. I mean, I still came in and I bust my tail every just realized the the value of, you know, as, as cliche as it sounds, but teamwork, right? Like um I, I had a role and I I played the hell out of that role. And my role was to um, you know, defend and guard the other teams, best perimeter player, whether it was their Five eleven guard, or whether it's their six seven, you know, swing, um, and and that that was a, a major part of what we did. And did it get you know as much fanfare or you know things like that? No, but I knew internally that I was doing what I needed to do, uh, you know, for us to be successful.
0: Yes. Yeah, so talk a little bit, too, as far as with the transition with the coaching, you know, you, you talked at the beginning on one of the um, reasons why you perhaps didn't end up as Michigan was because of the coach and wanting to know what the situation was. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you came in and, um, like you mentioned, uh, knew going into that last season that Tom's contract wasn't going to get renewed. And so, um, but I Rich Walker stayed on staff, correct? Correct. And Alford and his crew came in. Yeah. Okay. And so what was that? I mean, what was that transition like? Obviously, that first year I know was a little rough. Um, you know, I think you guys came out first game, beat UConn, and then um, finished right around 500 um, that season. And then, you know, like we just talked about, had that really good season with Reggie and uh, Luke. But uh, what was that like? You know, in your career again, you know, kind of tying back into the, like you mentioned, you know, the, the transfers and, and maybe the thoughts that came across and and how much that meant to you, uh, you know, to be able to play a role on on something bigger as opposed to going being the man. But uh, what was that? What was that transition like for you? Yeah, it
2: was. Um, I didn't realize it at the point or at the time, but you know, the the majority of. Uh, you know, people who are involved in college athletics, they get one coach, they get one experience, they get one type of culture, right? Um, coach Davis and Coach Offer could not have been any more different in the way that they approach things, right? Um, and obviously, you know, they were at different points in their career. Um, you know, I believe Offer was just. I don't even know if he was 33 yet when he got the job at Iowa. Right. So you got coach Davis who experienced kind of on the the tail end of his career, right. Offered is, um, you know, growing in his career as a coach um, and just total, totally different approaches, uh, but both, right. They were good. Right. Um, In different ways. And I didn't realize that, but um, you know, offered was, Hey, You know, we got this time, you know, to get you guys better, we're gonna make sure that you get better, right? We're gonna have these structured workouts, it's gonna be, you know, A, B, C, and D, right? And my job, you know, we're you know, I'm 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 speaking for him, but this is the way I felt as a player that it happened, right? Like, hey, our job is to get from A to D, right? A is where we are right now, D is getting you better. I'm a, we're going to go A to B. I'm going to take you from B to C. I'm going to take you from C to D. With Coach Davis, and this could have been my experience because we have, we were so senior and uh, upperclassman dominant, it was, hey, you guys need to go from A to D. Do it. Right? right. Um, so just seeing, and, you know, both were just as intense, um, you know, just as competitive, wanted to win, but they just approached it a lot different. Um, you know, coach Davis put it a a lot more on, on us, um, you know, to, to get in and, and, and do the extra shots or, you know, get your shots up, uh, get the extra time in the gym while coach Davis was, you know, Hey, you guys know what the schedule is. I'm not going to check. I'm going to be able to see, you know, who's doing the extra work. Who's doing the extra, you know, who's doing the, the, the extra work that needs to be done. So, um, two total different roadmaps to arrive at the same destination.
0: Yeah, and I th- that's actually, you know, one of the things that I've heard um, repeatedly in different eras um, as far as guys who've played for Alford. And um, that's always the first thing that they say is when it comes to player development, um, you know, going back to our AU thing and, and developing yeah. the skills, that was one thing that he definitely – um, you know, had a high level of importance and, and yep. I think, and obviously, you know, we'll get into this a little bit with your coaching career now, but it seems like there's always, you know, those four or five things that coaches are, are really passionate about and make sure that there's always time for it. And it seems like the player development thing was the thing that Alford really kind of hung his hat on.
2: Yep. No, he really did. And, um, like I said, it was 33. So, I mean, he was still, um, you know, I remember at the time we had, um, we had three red shirts my sophomore year, Marcellus Somerville, who ended up transferring to uh, Bradley, who's still playing in France and having a great career. Um, and then there were two more guys that offered and Greg Lansing and Brian Jones, our assistants at the time, would, they would stay there, would do skill development after practice, those guys, and then they would play three on three forever, you know, to, to, to work out and, and, or to work on and highlight those things. Um, but, um, you know, offered in his skill development, like he was still at the point where he could do everything. Um, and he was he was still very confident in himself <laughs> on the floor. I mean, he, he could still shoot the basketball, uh, you know, and it was it was just a high priority of his. Um, sorry, I, I, I got to take a little segue here. Uh, it was one of my f- favorite stories. I think people may enjoy it, but yeah. Um, I remember it was my sophomore year. Um, We go to Michigan, and we walk in for shoot-around. You know, there's no one in the gym. We're just walking through the tunnel, and there's a rack of basketballs. And we get to the right before, you know, the the edge of the baseline, and Offer goes in a dead sprint to the ball rack, gets the ball off the rack, does like some kind of dribble move at half court, pulls up like two steps behind the three-point line, Knocks down his first shot cold, and then sprints out of the tunnel. Like runs right by everyone as we're running out of the huddle. So We're like, "What the hell?" <laughs> so <laughs> he he finally runs back in and he goes, "Oh, sorry, I just had a flashback. I did that at that exact same spot twelve years ago, or something like that."
1: <laughs> uh, and, crazy, you know, he could do that though.
2: Right, and I say that, and you know, a lot of people say, "Oh, you know," and because he has a persona, um, mm-hmm. you know of whatever it is you know i think you guys know what i'm getting at
0: yeah um, oh yeah
2: from an outsider who's not in it like that's that's arrogant that's about him for a player that's really cool to see and it. it's funny you know he, so
0: he can probably still go out and stroke it right now if you ask him to yeah i'm
2: i'm pretty sure that the guys in nevada have have, have seen that <laughs>
0: Well good good. So like I said let's so transition a little bit now to, so so what you doing now? Um, obviously yeah. I know that you're you're down there coaching at WashU and um uh actually a little bit of a unique situation cuz cause, cause your wife is is the head coach, correct?
2: Yeah, she definitely is. She's uh right on the other side of the wall in me right now. <laughs> um so yeah, um, I am in my first year as a full time assistant here at WashU. Uh, this is our third year here as a family. The previous two years, I was I'm on staff in a part time volunteer capacity. Um, I, I say part time very loosely because it was, it was basically a full time volunteer. Um, but yeah, we've been commitment,
0: here. Part time pay type of deal.
2: There you go. Uh, volunteer yep. pay. So, there
0: you
2: go. Uh, um, No, but the previous two years, I was still uh, really heavy into my skill development, uh, still making the trip up to Iowa City um, and surrounding areas a lot. And then also uh, during some of the training here um, in St. Louis. Um, And now, um, you know, just I had the opportunity to to slide into the four-time role um, and step away um as from as much uh skill development stuff so it's been great here um like as you said a very unique situation um with with Randy my wife being the head coach Um, a lot of people are like how does that work you know and it, it works great um you know two things we're we're different enough basketball wise where it works where everything isn't like like I mean we just we have discussions and it's you know most of the time I lose out I you know <laughs> which, is, which is my role I'm a, I'm a suggestion maker um, yep, but then head also, coach. Yeah right um but then we also do a really good job of of creating some barriers um you know we'll we'll get home you know I'm sure our players think that we go home and we sit at the dinner table and we talk about ball screen coverage. But, uh, you know, we cut it off. As I said, we got the two little ones at home. So even if we wanted to sit down and talk about ball screen coverage, it's probably going to turn into a dodgeball game with our kids right now. So, um, yeah, but no, but it's, it's, it's a great institution, uh, very high academic. Uh, we play in a great conference. We're unique. Um, and our, you know, for the Division three level, our conference is spread out um, around the country. Um, we've had some great teams here. Uh, we made an Elite Eight run last year. Um, so yeah, it's 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 a really good spot. Um, and um, you know, I'm I really enjoy uh, you know coaching here and you know working with Randy as um, I might be biased, but she she does a great job of, <laughs> of getting our teams ready to play and, and leading leading these young women.
1: That's but- awesome. And I was I was going to ask you here, do as I- I'm looking at this list of the current things that <clears> they <throat> have going on. Mm-hmm. Wash U assistant coach, Henderson training, you know, surge head coach, which you can talk about after this. And then the two little ones at home as a, as a father myself, I'm thinking, do you have, do you have more than 24 hours in a day that, that you're finding or how do you, how do you make time for all these things?
2: Um, yeah, that's a great question. Uh, well, I, will tell you what, I, I'm not sacrificing on the dad front for yep. sure. Um, I'll make sure that that's taken care of and, um, you know, we're our kids have probably, I actually, I'm not even going to say probably. Um, Ezekiel and, and Harper have spent more time in the gym than I had by the time I was 15. Um, Perfect. You know, it, it, it's great. Um, you know, Harper knows to stay out of the way at practice. Ezekiel's still fir- figuring that out. Uh, he's really close to taking his first charge. And that's that's not intentionally just sometimes gets in the way, but uh, wants to get into the action. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Um, Yeah, my I mean my my plate is uh, you know pretty full, but as I said, um, my role as a a husband and father are going to trump everything. And um, you know, Randy is very supportive. Uh, She knows. Just how much I love the game, how much I love giving back to other people. Um, so she's very um, awesome in facilitating that from a from a wife standpoint. Not necessarily from a, not 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 saying that she doesn't do it as a head coach, but um, from a wife standpoint, she's very understanding uh, of what I want to do and, and what I need to do. So, that's awesome.
0: Hey, talk a little bit about so the as the head coach of the Surge. Talk a little bit about yeah. um, you know what that league you know, is and kind of, you know, fill us in a little bit as far as um, you know, is this a is it a new thing or kind of where they're at and what do you see the the future of that league and, and the growth with the surge?
2: Yeah. So the St. Louis surge as an organization are not new. Um the we are going into our eleventh uh, season next year. Um the league, the GWBA is a fairly new league. Um it consisted of six teams this year and the best way to describe it is we are building the GW, wow. GWBA to be the D- or the G League version for the WNBA okay. um right now if you are a um you know female player who has exhausted her college eligibility and you want to play in the states it's WNBA or bust right we want to build this league uh, to be able to give those players opportunities to stay and play domestically, um, you know, and be compensated, um, you know, to do so in a, in a fair, in a fair, fair way and a fair value.
0: And how many teams are in the league currently?
2: Yeah. So right now there's six teams in the league. There's uh, here with the surge. Um, there's a team in Oshkosh wisconsin
0: they're really good right
2: they are really good yeah. uh, memphis tennessee uh chicago uh topeka kansas flint michigan and i'm missing one um
0: nashville is there their music city team
2: yes music city icons
0: yeah no so, i yeah. i say obviously taking a look and just kind of skimming over as far as what it was um yeah, it looks, looks really neat. It looks very, you know, as far as the website and everything, it looks very innovative. Like I said, that's the kind of the feeling that I got was like, this is this is the women's version of the G League. And, yeah. you know, and it looks like, um, you know, like you said, a lot of those players who – those high-end college players, that, a lot of names that you remember. And, and it looks like maybe even a few that did get a little run in the WNBA as well.
2: Yep, exactly. So um, – and actually – you know, I think across the league there were probably seven or eight players who had WNBA experience in some in some fashion throughout the league this
1: year. Are you guys are you guys associated so are any of those teams associated with any of those WNBA teams?
2: No, not at this point, but that is that that's kind of the would be the goal?
1: That's the goal of the the league right now. Gotcha. Awesome. Yeah. Well, as you said got a full plate, but that's, you know, that's not a bad thing. I don't think, um, last, uh, I guess last segment here, we, we do uh, a little bit of rapid fire questions for you Do as Brian's going to bring yep. you through those, just, uh, going to, going to, going to ask you a couple of questions and, uh, you spit out what, uh, what comes to mind first.
2: Awesome. Is this some kind of like hidden personality test? Ah.
1: <laughs> no, <laughs> none of that no, yet. Still... We'll, we'll get to that maybe next, next time.
0: Let's say still pretty basketball oriented here, but hey, so first one, um, and uh, you know, obviously, like I said, you fire out whatever comes, but first one is best college arena you've ever played in, harbor Hawkeye Arena. Good answer, um, <laughs> Le- LeBron or Jordan? Jordan, best player you ever played against? Oh. I can get some major points right
2: now if I said my wife. There you go. <laughs> we we'll, we'll Randy, Randy, Randy Peterson Henderson, uh, and then we are going to go. Um, I'm gonna go Morris Peterson.
0: Okay. You're going, sticking with your wife. I know she was. She's quite the hooper herself. So that's a. That's yeah. definitely a, a, a good answer for you. Yes, sir. <laughs> um, next one. The your go to eating spot in Iowa City.
2: Ooh! This needs to come with some sponsorship dollars behind it. <laughs> <we go>. um, <laughs> uh, the Wigan Wigan pin. Ooh,
0: also good Great choice. spot. Yep. Um, how about best player you ever played with? A lot of teammates here. I know. <laughs> <laughs> hmm.
2: I'm gonna go Reggie Evans. Okay. He, was a, he
0: was a beast, dude. He, yeah, I, and obviously has the career to show for it too. As long as he's yeah. around in the league, so no kidding. That's a good one. Um, what about least favorite Big Ten school? Iowa State. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> I like that answer. That's
2: Ten. a good answer. <laughs> um. You know, I'm going to go Illinois. They were always tough to play against, and Assembly Hall was just a weird place to play. Okay.
0: And then last one here to wrap up, uh, what's what's the best thing about St. Louis?
2: Best thing about St. Louis. I don't know how I many Cubs fans are, are listening, so I'm not going to go to Cards. get yeah, Cards. <laughs>
0: what, what about the food the food any better down there
2: uh food's really good okay the best thing about st louis is it is a big city that you can make as small or as large as you want it to be like it has a real small town feeling but it has all of the kind of big city amenities
0: okay yeah no that's i can, I can definitely see that a few times i've been to st louis uh yeah i was gonna say there's a lot going on um a lot to do but uh yeah, you can probably make it. Like said, as big as small as you want.
1: For sure. Awesome. Well, uh as we as we mentioned here before here, uh we, we really appreciate your time, Duez, um, and making the time for us. We uh you know, Shears Touch wants to wish you and your squad the best of luck this year, upcoming year. We'll be following along for sure. And um, you know, we hope to uh hope to see some big things from your team and uh you know your training and everything like that too here moving forward.
2: Definitely guys. I, I appreciate it. And as I kind of said before we, we hopped on, um, I've I've enjoyed the the episodes that I've listened to and I wish you guys best of luck. Uh, you're doing a great job and keep it up.
0: Hey Thank, thanks. thanks, we appreciate it.